Hello, I'm Kristen McDonald, and thanks for tuning into Second Vision. Rebecca B. Thompson is an experienced speaker, writer, consultant, facilitator, and coach with more than 30 years in the manufacturing, aerospace, and healthcare industries. She has been a consultant for many years, working with companies such as Eastman Kodak, General Motors, and Blue Cross. She is currently the principal with Evolve Without Limits, a coaching and consulting practice. Her areas of expertise include leadership and team development, work systems redesign, organizational change, and culture change. But that is only one part of Rebecca's story. The rest is a chronicle of personal courage and spiritual expansion. Frustrated by her now ex-husband's increasing alcoholism, Rebecca embarked on a healing journey where she learned how to love herself and found freedom from a situation from which she thought she was stuck. Along the way, she became a Reiki master, a certified crystal therapist, a shamanic coach, and incorporates these areas of expertise into her consulting and coaching practice. Rebecca is the author of Rebecca Rising, How I Found Courage and Self-Love Through Friendship, Coaching, and Conversations with the Moon. This is a memoir chronicling her healing journey, and I'm so delighted to have her with us today. So, Rebecca, it's so wonderful to have you on the show today, and um, just, you know, I wanted to find out a little bit more about your background before we begin. Tell us, you know, how you went from being a corporate consultant in the engineering area to being a spiritualist. Yes. So I'll back up just a little bit and give you just a little background that I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania and just had a very ordinary kind of narrow background and went off to school at Penn State and majored in engineering where I met um, what became my husband. And we both got jobs as, as engineers in Rochester, New York and moved up there and just were living a very um, kind of picture perfect life, you know, with the three kids and white picket fence and a dog and all that stuff. And um, my now ex-husband started his own business. He was a very good engineer and ambitious and good at what he did. And things were going great until all of a sudden they weren't. And uh, um, the economy kind of took a downturn and his business wasn't doing well. His clients weren't paying their bills. And so ultimately we weren't paying our bills. And he started to drink very heavily and um, it just led to a lot of issues in our relationship and in our finances. And I, I became increasingly frustrated and angry and didn't know what to do. And yet I'd also been raised to be this person who, you know, stood by her man no matter what and didn't get divorced. And, you know, so I really thought that I was stuck in this situation and didn't know what to do. And uh, ultimately, we moved to a new state. Um, he His business um, failed, and he took a job, but it was in North Carolina. So we moved from Rochester, New York, to North Carolina. And I had some soul-searching even to, about whether I should go at that point, you know, whether I should um, go off on my own with my kids and make a new life. But I ultimately didn't want to break up my family and trying to minimize stress on my kids. So moved with him to North Carolina, and... Just in the process of wanting to get involved in the community and meet new people and make new friends, I started kind of reaching out and doing some different things. And, you know, as I said, I'd, I'd never been exposed to anything metaphysical, had kind of a narrow upbringing. And um, one of the first things that happened to me was I was invited to a dowsing class. <laughs> to a what, what kind of a class? Dowsing. A dowsing oh. class. Yes. So I didn't know what that was. And me neither. So forgive me, but what's a dowsing class? 
Yeah, right. So uh, the only thing I had ever heard about dowsing was that you use a fork stick to find water. That was that was my only impression of dowsing. And what it turned out to be, it can be done in a number of ways, but it's it's a, a divination practice in uh, using dowsing rods. So two um, metal rods with handles on them that kind of swing freely on their handles. And you can you hold them in a certain position, and you ask a question, and they will um, move in a way that indicates a yes answer or a no answer. Oh yes, I think I'm, so. It's a little bit like a Ouija board in a sense, but um, yeah, yeah, okay. So you could do it with a pendulum or a Ouija board. Mm-hmm, it's, a, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a divination, a divination practice. So right. I didn't know anything about this, and I also thought, whoa, you know, <laughs> this is kind right. Of like, wait a minute, okay. <laughs> What am I doing here? And so the the woman in charge, uh, it, this was a woman that my daughter and I had been doing some volunteer work with, and we liked her very much. And um, even though we didn't know what we were getting into, we thought, well, we like her, and it should be fun. And, but when we got there, she handed everybody a set of dowsing rods and uh, gave us some instruction about what to do and then told us to go off on our own and to practice and to learn what our own yes or no response would be because everybody's would be different in terms of how the rods would move and I thought this is just crazy (laughs) 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 what happened I thought you know I don't have any special powers or anything like that this isn't going to work is really what I was afraid of that you know I would be embarrassed because I couldn't do it Um, but I went off in my corner with my rods as instructed because I'm a good girl and that's what I do Uh uh-huh Right, so I go off, and, and to my amazement, uh, the rods did what she said they would do, and I was just—I thought, oh, first I thought I'm doing it, you know, I'm just making this happen, I'm wiggling them, or you know, whatever. Right. But it it kept repeating over and over and over, and so I, you know, I asked, show me a yes, and the rods would work in a certain way, and then I'd say, show me a no, and they would go in a completely different way. So were you and, asking, should I leave the marriage? Should I do something? Well, at that point, I wasn't because I was you know, just learning how to do this. And mm-hmm. but over time, yes, and, and learning some different practices as well. Um, but this was just the first thing that kind of got me hooked on any kind of energy work or metaphysical mm-hmm. experiences. Mm-hmm. So I went on to do quite a few other things. So that was sort of the, the turn I took onto this right. spiritual journey. Right, right. I wouldn't have even called it a spiritual journey at the time. You know, I didn't even have that kind of language. It was just... Of course, of course. Something to do. (laughs) Right, right. But that was sort of a catalyst that sent you in a different direction. Yes. So so let's back up a little bit and talk, because there's so many people out there in America and all over the globe, you know, who have... Uh, suffered from alcoholism or had a spouse, you know, with that kind of a problem. I mean, what was it like? You know, was it were you in denial in the beginning, or was it, was it ever an abusive situation, or you know, was it just something where you know he was a regular drinker and you know, or we go on binges? It, I was absolutely in denial at the beginning, and um, just to, to share my background around drinking, I came from a family that did not drink at all. Oh, maybe, interesting. You know, maybe once a year you know, mm-hmm. a drink Eve or something. So I didn't have a, a background, but when I went off to college, we were at Penn State, and everybody was drinking beer, and I thought it was of cool course. because it was something I'd never been around. Mm-hmm. And so we were drinking at college, 
quite a bit, and yeah, as college students often do. And so sure. uh, I didn't get anything of that. And then we got married, and then we started um, early in our marriage. We'd have a glass of wine with dinner. And I didn't think anything of that either until he started. The, the first thing he started to do, I noticed, was we'd be drinking a glass of wine at the dinner table, but he'd go into the kitchen and he'd have a beer. And I just thought that was so weird. You know, like, why do oh, you Oh, sure, that? sure. Doubling up. Yeah, doubling up. And so I noticed that, and it, it, that sort of was the first little red flag in my mind. And then mm-hmm. I noticed other things. I just noticed beer bottles around the house, you know, on the mm-hmm. windows. <laughs> things like that. Oh boy, yeah, and personality changes, you know, after after the the beer the next day. Yes, and he was never violent. It was never, you know, and I would have left a lot sooner had there been any kind of aggression towards myself or especially my children. But it was never of course, like that. That's great. But he, yeah, so I'm very grateful for that. He was not an angry drunk. He was more. He would drink until he passed out, mm-hmm. and so it, it was kind of a lonely. It was just a lonely situation there was no relationship you know he's sure alienating as soon as he came home from work yeah and then he would just go on to drink until he was asleep in a chair and so mm. there was just nothing there was just nothing so um and that went on until he got his first DUI and that then that's actually where my wake-up call oh yes it was for me <laughs> <laughs> yes I'm sure I, I had hoped it was for him but it turned out really not to be and um, he did not change his behavior, and he ended up getting a second one. And, again, I'm still caught in my belief system of, well, you just stand by your man and you just work through it. And, you know, so I didn't know that I could change my life. I didn't know that I could do anything different. And things just continued to go on, and I was also trying to um, keep things as normal as possible for my children and I also didn't know if I could make it on my own. I had never lived by myself. We got married right out of college. I went from my parents' house to college to married life. And I just didn't know how to be by myself. And I was scared. So I think there were a lot of factors that kind of led to my hanging on as long as I did. And sure. I of course. People are afraid to. And there's a lot involved financially, emotionally, and with children. So did you go to Al-Anon? I did. I did. It was it was kind of funny because Al-Anon was like this blind date that people kept wanting to fix me up with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that's I, that's a great way to put it. You no, know, they kept saying, "Oh, you should go to Al-Anon. You should go to." And I I kept I didn't know enough about it, and I kept thinking, "Well, he's the one that should go to AA. You know, I don't have a problem. Why do I have to go to something?" So I resisted it for a long time. Um, but Al-Anon, for if any of your listeners are not familiar, is a uh, an organization for anyone who is concerned about someone else's drinking, where right. AA for someone who is concerned about their own drinking. Um, so I I didn't know, you know, that I had a problem. But eventually I went and found it extremely valuable, I, although at first I went because I was looking for a way to fix him. I thought that's what it was about, that it would uh, show me how to get him to go to AAA or AA or how to fix him in some way. And you know, when I asked about that at Al-Anon, they would just smile and say, well, just keep coming back. <laughs> yeah. So so do they consider that codependent? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I was so obsessed with what he was doing that I wasn't paying attention to myself. So I was counting the beer cans in the trash, and I was looking for these 
beer bottles on the windowsills and is so worried about everything he did that what I did was it's just not even in in my on my radar screen, right? And no, how of, scary, you know, especially yeah. with kids. Right. So I think what Alana teaches you is to detach from what your alcoholic is doing and focus on yourself and mm-hmm. how you be the best person that you can be and um, seeing what are the things that you're doing that might be enabling that person. Um, you know, you have to be the one that is fixing everything, right? I was solving everybody else's problems and keeping all the balls in the air was what I always used to say. I'm the one that pays all the bills and raises the kids and makes sure everything is running smoothly, and that allowed him <laughs> to do what, whatever he wanted to do. I wasn't holding him accountable for his end. And so you learn and, a lot And meantime, you had all these successes in the corporate world. Yeah, meantime, I was holding my career together. I was holding down a good job, paying the bills. You know, we were paying the mortgage. and Incredible. Yeah. Kudos and he, to you. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah. he was working, but he was changing jobs a lot. You know, he would, he was good at what he did, and he had a good reputation for a long time. And so when he would become available, uh, somebody would snap him up. But it would, all, you know, it would last at first a couple of years, and then in the last years that I was with him, six months. He had several jobs that lasted only six months. Now, is he sober now? He is not, to my knowledge. Okay. Well, my goodness, it's sad. It so is he, he wasn't able to get the help that he needed. You know, it's such a very sad disease. You know, some people lick it, and I've known others that, you know, I, I had a friend who lost her sister, you know, at 50-something from uh, just died, you know, pancreas, the whole thing. You know, we've all heard stories like that. So it's very yeah. sad. Some people are able to, to rise above it. So so tell us how you you made this right turn and about your book. Yeah. Your conversations so... with the moon. <laughs> I know. Um, still a lot of ground to cover. Um, yes. Yeah. So I started down this spiritual path, and I I, I got hooked on um, the idea of energy, you know, being able to use energy to promote healing and relaxation and stress relief. And um, so I, I was taking all the classes that I could take. And meanwhile, also working in my job and um, learning about coaching. I had asked to, to take on the coaching function within the company that I was working in at the time, and so I was taking training to become a coach, and so that opened me up to a lot of new people, too, and, and um, new ideas and ways of doing things. Um, so I think those things kind of worked together, sort of all the, the spiritual training I was getting, the coaching training, and exposure to all sorts of ideas and things, and it started to loosen up my belief I had about myself and about my ability to change my life or to have the kind of life that I wanted. So things, it just was just sort of loosening up and opening up. And the conversations with the moon began, um, I was in yet another decision of whether to stay or go. My uh, now ex was uh, moving yet again to another state. He, we were in Raleigh, North Carolina. He got a job in South Carolina and wanted me to move there. And I was really resisting this because I did not think it was a good idea to stay with him no. and move again. And so I was um, going through this decision process of should I stay or should I go? And I um, was awakened one night by my dog. And she generally didn't get up in the night, but this time she was very insistent. She says, all right, she must have to go out. So get up, get dressed, go outside. And there was one of these big full moons in the sky, one of those gigantic kind of low-in-the-sky ones. And I don't know how to describe it other than it was talking to me. And I heard a voice in my head coming from this moon that said, you're missing the point. And I thought, 
what? <laughs> you know, like, dreaming, <laughs> like, crazy, what, what is this? And, and the voice continued on to say, you're missing the point. It's not about what you do. It's not about what nice suburb you're going to live in. It's about how do you want to feel and who do you want to be in this world? And I thought, wow, I mean, I never even thought of that. It was all about pros and cons and making a decision and what do I do? And Rational and, thoughts. Yeah, not how do not I Not speaking from your heart. Exactly, exactly. Or your emotions or your body. You know, that's, that's the way we find answers during meditation or prayer, you know, when you listen to your body, you know, what's aching and, and what really, really is important in a crisis. That is so true, Kristen. I have come to find that out you know, over these years. Yes, it sounds yeah. like it. Listening to my body and, you know, aches and pains and things like that. and Yeah, kind of just the inner voice. Exactly, understanding what they're about. But this, this voice was loud and clear coming from the moon and went on um, for many weeks. This kept happening. And with the dog waking me up in the night, I'd go out. It didn't have to be a full moon. It could be any phase of the moon. Um, but with, uh, there would be a voice that would be telling me exactly the kinds of things you're saying. Slow down. Listen to your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Exactly. And how do you want to feel? And I, I just had never even thought my feelings were important. Uh, so that it was just such a major... No, you're doing the mom thing and the working full-time thing. So everything was expected of you, it sounds like. Exactly, exactly. I was busy taking care of everybody else, solving everybody else's problems, and doing what I should do, what was expected mm-hmm. of me. Tuning in. Yeah, and so I, I finally started to realize, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't serve others unless you're taking care of yourself. Um, so that's where the whole self-love thing started to come in. I did not understand the whole concept Beautiful. of self-love. It sounded selfish to me, you know, to be putting my needs first, but mm-hmm. yeah, I learned that I had to do that or I wasn't going to survive and I wasn't going to be able to help anybody else either, including my children, which was my driving force. Absolutely. And did you put your kids into therapy or, you know, how did they survive this themselves? And were they upset over you writing the book? <laughs> uh, my my girls have been in therapy. Uh, my son has gone to Al-Anon and participates in a group, uh, Adult Children of Alcoholics, and it's been very helpful for him. So, yeah, they've they wonderful. Um, all taking care of themselves in various ways, which is wonderful. And they were, um, they've been very supportive of me. They've just been so wonderful. And they were very nervous about the book and what I was mm-hmm. going to mm-hmm. say. Because they're telling our secrets about our family, right? That sure. That so hard to not share. And they, they couldn't understand it for a while. Like, why would I do this? And what was I going to say? And I offered them drafts to read and they didn't want to and they didn't want to talk about it. But when it finally came out, and I know they all covertly read it. <laughs> oh, isn't that great? And, and what about your ex-husband? Did he have any opinion on your writing the book? Or um, We never discussed it. I changed his name in the book, and I used my maiden name. Uh, that was know, smart. My, yeah, so I just didn't want it to um, harm him in any way. Uh, or be yeah, my sister's an editor, and she's always telling her clients, now you can't do this. <laughs> you know, this is not legal. <laughs> She'll call me and she's like, I tried to tell this man, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm not a, I don't know, you know, what his thoughts are on it, um, but I, yeah, I certainly wish him well, and it was not my intent to harm him in of any course, way. Of course, of course. Um, tell my truth and to hopefully help anyone else who might be in a similar situation, whether it's 
due to alcoholism or not, but a situation where you feel you're stuck and that you can't make changes in your life. Um, here and you're afraid you. to leave. Yeah. It's and, you know, there's things that I talk about with second vision when we develop my whole system, and that is, you know, you keep trying the same old plan and you get the same results. It's time to try something different. And and many of us are sometimes too afraid to make a change, you know, because we're afraid of of what what lies ahead, you know, that maybe it won't be as good as what we have. And often it could be ten times better. That is so true, Kristen. And I I found myself, one of the things that finally got me to change, I keep a journal, and I've kept a journal for many years, and I, mm-hmm. I went back reading them, and I found that I was writing down the same conversations that I had with him that I'd had four years before. Oh, and thought, yes. And you looked oh. back and said that you're back in the same place and you're not making progress. Exactly. And I thought, I don't want to be four years from now writing down this same thing. I just mm-hmm. can't, I can't do it. So that was an impetus to me to make a change and, and to yes. finally end marriage. Yeah. Now, why was coaching so important in your in your um, evolution, you know, of becoming a coach yourself and, and finding self-love? Yeah, um, so coaching is just its just a really powerful process, and I'd been exposed to it years ago when I was working for Kodak and got um, some really good results in my own life. We had hired an external coach to train us to be coaches, and so I got some great coaching from her in terms I had never uh, – she asked me if I had any regrets in my life, and at that time my one regret was I hadn't gone to grad school, and but I had all these reasons why I couldn't, right? I didn't have time. I had kids. I didn't have the money, blah, blah, blah. And she made me see that if I really wanted to do that, I could. And I ultimately did go back to school. Um, so it, it just had a very powerful, favorable impression on me in terms of um, it's the ability of the coaching process to shift someone's beliefs about themselves and then ultimately their behavior. Um, so I had a good impression of it. And then, as I said earlier, I was later asked to lead a coaching program when I was I had moved to Blue Cross Blue Shield. And so I went to training and um, some of the people I met through that process are, are lifelong friends and have been a tremendous support to me. Uh, and then now I do coaching. Excuse me, was that IPAC? Is that where you went? No, I actually went to Duquesne University in Pittsburgh. Oh, that's they right. Have... That's right. I read that. But I thought yeah, it also said you went to another coaching. Uh... Maybe I, I misread went... it. Um, yeah, IPAC is a great program, and I have mm-hmm. several close been through that program, but I personally did not go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did do, um, oh gosh, Coach um, Coach U. Right, uh, okay. Ago. Yeah, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Years ago when I was at Kodak, I went through a program with them and then went back to Duquesne and got my certification. Um, and so, yeah, it's just been a really, it's, the, the coaching I've received has been so invaluable to me that I wanted to be able to help others through that process as well. Very interesting. Um, you know, it, it's so powerful to have a great mentor and a coach. You know, I've I've been so lucky to be blessed by great mentors myself, and I'm thinking about going on for coaching in the future myself too. So it does have an amazing effect on your life when you have somebody else who can see your situation and your life in a different way, you know, because we can't see ourselves sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> they can hold the mirror up to you. And yeah. it's all inside the person. You know, it's all about the questions that you ask. It's it's all inside the person. It's not like you're giving advice, really. It's that you're just drawing out um, from the person what, what's really already Their there. wants and their needs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So tell us, is your book on Audible or Kindle? It is on Kindle. 
Oh, great. Um, okay, because many of our listeners that, are visually impaired. That's terrific. And Kindle's really simple now with the voiceover app. Oh, good. That's great yeah. to hear. Yeah. It's available on on um, on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle version, and I'm working on an audio ver- version currently. I'm in the process. Oh, for Audible. Of, yeah, for Audible. So we, I've great. recorded it. Now it's a matter of working out the bugs. <laughs> Apparently there's you know, a lot of technical things that have to be uh-huh. worked out. So, of course, of course, no, that's great. And you have another book as well, right? You had a uh, you have a friendship that you wrote a book. What's the second book? Yes, that's right. My second book is called Sunday at Eight Thirty: Two Decades of Life Planning. And I wrote that book with my friend Darlene Ryan, and she's a major character in my Rebecca Rising book. And um, we've been friends since we were young moms and young engineers together for uh, thirty years now. Um, Beautiful. And the book is about life planning and being intentional about creating the kind of life that you want. And we took a course in that together many years ago and started applying it to our own lives and actually changing the process until it's really more our own and uh, decided that we wanted to write a book about our experiences with it since we've been doing it for so long. And so while I think of my memoir as kind of my story (laughs) of what I did and what happened to me, um, the, the Sunday at 8.30 book is a process that anybody can use and apply to their own life. And it's a how-to the, book. It's a how-to, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they're very intertwined, and um, we give examples. We look at seven areas of life. It includes spiritual, physical, mental, um, career, family, et cetera, and um, do some visioning and goal setting in each of those areas and um, brainstorming. And so in the paperback version, we provide some worksheets that people could actually um, start to fill in and use this process. Now, they're not in the Kindle version, but if someone wanted to come to my website and um, drop me a line there, I'd be happy to send them a PDF of those worksheets. Oh, beautiful. That's that's yeah. great. And that one is also on Kindle? Yes, it also is on Kindle. Mm-hmm. Terrific. So if you had a couple of words, and by the way, the, the word uh, intention is so powerful. You know, I always tell people in my speeches to live a purposeful life, you know, and have an intention because it makes such a difference, you know. Yes. Yes, I think that's really kind of the message of both books, you know. If I, if I had to say there was a theme across both books, it would be that it's about identifying and then choosing what you'd like your life to be like and then taking steps to achieve that. Yeah, and if your first plan fails, you know, to find a new purpose. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, because, you know, none of us look at what's happening in the world now with COVID-19. You know, man plans and God laughs, right? Oh, exactly. And that's a lot of the examples <laughs> book, too. I mean, you know, you can create a plan, but things don't go according to plan. Exactly. So we... <laughs> they don't always go according to plan. So if you want to leave us with a few words of wisdom, because I'm sorry, we don't, we're don't, we winding down on time, oh, what would it be? Sure. To those, you know, I... who are stuck in something, whatever it may be, you know, a relationship or a career or their first plan didn't work out, what would you tell them? I would want your listeners to know that they are much stronger than they know and much more powerful than they know, and that you can create the life you want. So go for it because you're worth it. Oh, that's beautiful. So why don't you give them your – you have a website, too, and the name of your book, again, before we close? Yes. The books are Rebecca Rising, and the other book is Sunday at 830, 
and it's by Darlene Ryan and Rebecca Thompson. And my memoir, Rebecca Rising, is by me, Rebecca Thompson. They're both available on Amazon in Kindle and paperback with the Audible version soon to come for Rebecca Rising. I do also have a website, which is evolvewithoutlimits.com. And so you can visit me there. There's links there to purchase the books and also information about where I might be speaking and workshops that are coming up. And I'm putting together an online course for the Sunday at 8.30 coaching process, and that will be available soon. Fantastic. Well, I so thank you for your time and and sharing all your insight with our listeners. And for those of you listening today, I'm Kristen McDonald. My guest has been Rebecca B. Thompson. I hope you check out her her limitless website and um, and you know and take on the universe because she's got a lot of great things to say. So have a blessed and healthy day. I'm Kristen McDonald for Second Vision. <laughs>